tell of all his wondrous works. Tell of all his wonders. No one can fathom. Tell of all his wonders. Remember the wonders he has done. No one can fathom. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Hi guys, this is Wonderful to Tell. I'm Tracy Conrad. We have a series of special stories to share with you from our Wonderful to Tell events that were held in Charlottesville and Hume, Virginia. Our first in this series is a dynamic story shared by D.J. Carter, the Executive Director of Thrive Women's Healthcare of Central Virginia. One of our hosts for the evening, Dr. Amy Brown Strampy, introduced D.J. to the audience. Here's Amy. So again, thanks for coming out tonight. So DJ and I um, got connected through a friend in town and she said, listen, you've got to have DJ come and talk about the work that he's doing in Charlottesville. And I said, that's awesome. Bring him in. So um, DJ is the director, the president of our local pregnancy crisis center in Charlottesville. So the Thrive Women's Healthcare of Central Virginia. My friend said he has an amazing testimony and there's some amazing things happening through the center. And so we're really blessed to have you today. So thanks for coming out to share your story. Thank you. So it probably makes sense that I should be speaking tonight because tomorrow marks my 31st birthday. Um, And my connection to the Pregnancy Centers of Central Virginia, which is now Thrive Women's Healthcare, is actually connected to my own story, which is the beginning of God's faithfulness or a wonderful story to tell. And so in 1987, December the 17th, my mother turned 16 years old and she decided that she was going to go and get on the pill, as she would call it. So her cousin took her to the local clinic for her to get on birth control. And the doctor said, sorry, you're a little too late. Uh, you're pregnant. You cannot get on birth control. So December the 17th, she wakes about a week. She tells her family around about Christmas that she's pregnant. And her mother, who had raised her by herself because her husband had deserted her for the last 16 years after coming back from Vietnam and disappearing, uh, she said, you're too young you need to have an abortion. And my father, when I was 12 years old, told me that the first set of clothing that I ever had was purchased by the money that was supposed to pay for my abortion because when my mother and my father and my grandmother left Chatham, Virginia, about two hours south of here, and went to North Carolina to get that abortion, my mother was right at 20 weeks. And that was the cutoff at that point in time for abortions. Now, what I do is direct the pregnancy centers of Central Virginia. And just the other day, I talked to a lady in our centers who has been counseling individuals who have had abortions. That's actually the way that I came to work for this organization. My mother decided to have an abortion. My grandmother wanted to have an abortion. And I'm a good Christian man, but I also know that there are individuals who decide to have abortions, who need to hear the gospel, who need to know that just like murder and all other sins, that there is forgiveness, that there is reconciliation, that Jesus Christ has died for all of these sins. So when I was asked to be the president of this organization, I said, I asked a whole lot of questions about 
how we would interact with people who did not choose life. And the way that they talked about the poster board of care was the most interesting thing to me. So when I talked to this lady who has been for the last 30 years talking to women who've had abortions, and I asked her, because of today's politics, because of today's society, don't you think it's easier for women to have abortions? That's what they say. Planned Parenthood said, right, it's easier today. And she said, DJ, actually, I think it's harder. Because when women come in today, said they think they're the only woman who is sad, who's hurt, who's not strong enough to go through this pain, to go through this process. And they feel like that everyone else did it easily. Why am I having these problems? Why am I having these burdens? And the love that our individuals at our centers showed to the individuals, not just when they walk in the door in situations like my mom, but also when they have made that decision and they hurt, they are still broken. They still have pain. I always kind of push. We talk about crisis pregnancy, but crisis pregnancy is usually a part of a crisis life, right? Everything in life at that point in time is kind of chaotic. So we have individuals who come in who don't want to have their children just because they have twins and they can't think about how to provide for two more children. We have individuals who come in and they, they don't know what to do because the boyfriend says, do I was talking to Florence just a few minutes ago and, and someone just said, the guy said to me, you know, basically do whatever you want to do. And that's the, all of the support that they have. One lady told me she was 40 years old. She had just raised her daughter. She was 16. And she said, I just can't raise another child alone. She's like, we just got jumped, just almost finished with this. And so the stories that we hear, the way that we have these interactions is a beautiful, wonderful thing to also take to the Lord in prayer. Because many of the times what we hear is that I'm still going to abort my child. And so in my life, in my family, the way that I came to this story and to this situation is because God had always been faithful to me and always been pushing me to actually follow him in tough situations. And even as my parents had decided to have me, it was my great grandparents who had raised me. Individuals who had all been born before 1930, they sacrificed. And so that faithfulness, that was the thing that I saw. So when I was a freshman in college and I went home and I saw my grandfather being a whole lot different than he had been my great grandfather in my entire life, I said, I think something's different about granddad. Yeah, I might want to take him to the doctor. And I said, oh, no, 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 he's fine. He was 94. So I was like, oh, no, he's fine. Then he starts making threats and upsetting a lot of people. And so they take him to the doctor, and he has dementia and Alzheimer's. And this man, who had been my hero, who had helped me in so many ways, I now saw being a completely different person. And I, I knew because of my situation, I always kind of push, I was... 25 years old before I knew how to spell grateful because I never thought that I needed to be grateful. My parents were too young. We, I was poor, all of these other situations. I didn't think about gratitude. And it was when I saw my great grandfather and all of the things that he had done for me. And I recognized that this man who had sowed so much into my life now needed something. That was when God pushed this 
thing to me and he taught me how to love. So I forfeited a full ride and went home and I stayed with my grandfather the last year of his life. And I would still say now as a father of two, just had a little girl born on Good Friday, that that was still the most beautiful, wonderful time of my life to see this individual who had not just raised his children, not just raised his grandchildren, but also raised his great-grandchildren, receive that care and that love. And so the place that I serve now, I thank God that every day I get to go in and how I lead is through shepherding in that same type of love. And the way that I talk about what we do in our centers and how we'll talk to the most broken individual who's maybe had a bunch of abortions, who maybe had abortions a long time ago, or who's struggling in all types of things. Now we do STI and STD testing, and I pushed it. We had to do those types of things. And it's important for us to grow in those ways because individuals who come in with a crisis pregnancy, they at least have a beautiful baby waiting if you would accept them. What if it's just a venereal disease? Do you, do you, can you love that individual too? And we have grown in our ability to love everybody. We, we don't know how to speak a lot of languages. So Google Translate is, has been a great guide to us, but we're always asking people, if you speak another language, our, our patients speak all languages. Can you, can you help us? Can you walk alongside individuals? And I say the greatest gift that we have is the Holy Spirit. Right? And the push that I, because I love God's word, is that Jesus Christ, the night in which he was betrayed, he said that the Holy Spirit would come to convict us, and then he would comfort us in all ways. So it's not our job in no way, shape, or form to convict or to condemn, but our, our Lord and Savior has come to convict us, to show us who we really are. And then we know that as we have been forgiven much, that same God is able to forgive and we comfort with that hope, with that peace, with that knowledge and that understanding, knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back. So out of everything that we do, I think the best thing that I get to do now is always declare the truth of the gospel. We never push, we never coerce. We always say, do you want to hear it? But the good thing about my staff is because they all have to be Christians, I get to say, you're going to always hear it. And the time where I have to say it to most is in interpersonal staff conflict. It's where I spend all the time. You got to love the sister here, right? It's easy to love the patient coming. She's broken. It's hard. <laughs> love this person, too, that's doing finance or that's doing pay, whatever those things. We have to love one another. And God has really given us a whole lot of opportunities. So this organization that I'm part of has been around for 35 years. I, tomorrow, will be around 31 years and I just thank God that there is a service and has been services like this for the women in this community. We serve nine counties and the city of Charlottesville. But there's still a lot of places where if my mom or my sister now today was to need those services or need a, we just had an individual say, that's where you need to go. Go there, not another place. And the reason why I say not another place is because a lot of what God has shown me and what I have placed, put a lot of effort in, even at my time at Trinity, is learning about race and the difficulties that it produces in communities, living in prospect neighborhood for several years, right? To understand 
these things. And I would say that there is an industry, right? It's called abortion. And it there's an industry that's called incarceration as well. But these things actually have those tenets. If you do your history, if you understand how people were connected to the KKK and other organizations, you understand it, just like the curse of Ham is not what we read in the Bible. There was a lot of things that were said about undesirable populations that are now called underserved. Uh, and so what we are actually doing is trying to offer no cost services to individuals in times of crisis, as opposed to making money off of individuals needs. Uh, and so that's a big deal to us that we always want to make sure that we come in and we not only provide those things for that time period, but for the two years after that baby's born, because we don't just support the unborn, we support life. And then my wife works with an organization called Ready Kids that actually supports that child up until they're 18. And we now have started this called Thrive Lives because it's a big deal to me. It's like, hey, I teach jobs for life. I teach faith and finance. I teach all of these other things. I think our once again, our patients are coming in with chaotic lives, not just this crisis pregnancy. So what about relationships? What about education? What about training? What about experience and other things? And so we're actually having hiring a lot of other people to come alongside and work in those gaps to make sure that individuals are holistically cared for, just like Jesus Christ. But the big deal is Jesus came, right? And so it's an incarnational ministry. And so we have to go. And our model has been kind of, we build it, they'll come. I don't, I mean, it might work for Target, uh, but I don't think it works for everything else. And so we have to actually radically pursue just like Christ has radically pursued us. So Proverbs 24 says, rescue those being led away to slaughter. That's what this is. It's not like, oh, those women just want to abort their babies. Men tell me, you got to show them YouTube videos. And it's like the hardest thing to listen to people say what people need is just some more conviction or they just need this world or so. The folks who come in, they, they really, really, really more than anything need to be listened to, need to be loved, need to actually have someone say, I know this is hard. And no matter whether you choose adoption or to carry or to abort, it's still going to be really hard. Right. And to not say, oh, it's so easy if you just carry this baby for the next 18 years. That's just so easy. So what we've come alongside a lot of other organizations who actually do a lot of great work because we can only do a little bit. But God has been working in all of those things. Spiritual warfare is real. And Satan is always at work uh, in our mortal bodies and in all of those institutions around us. So more than anything, I ask that you would pray. Pray for people who go into a room to listen to someone and have to deal with the fact that they didn't make enough of a difference. Florence, that was, that what, do, what do I do when I didn't change their minds? Pray for that. Because I, I, I don't know oftentimes what to say to that. I've, you try to be encouraging, but it's the same way I, we have a doctor on staff. If you lose a patient, that, that weighs on you, does it not? And so patient advocacy is what we have is because we recognize that there's two patients that walk into that room when that young lady has a crisis pregnancy. One of them cannot speak, just like I couldn't in 1987, right? And I, even though my parents were very much 
gung-ho determined, I would have said something otherwise. It may have been hard. It may have been difficult. But what I've seen is God's faithfulness all the way through. My mom is with my son, right? My son and my daughter right now. My father and I have a great relationship, but it's been a lot of learning, not just conviction, but also forgiveness and not waiting for someone to say, I'm sorry, but just doing it anyway, right? What a blessing to listen to DJ's heart for ministering to people, compassionately meeting their needs and showing them the love of Christ. To see photos of DJ and learn more about Thrive Women's Healthcare, please visit our website at wonderfultotell.com. There you can also listen to and learn more about all our wonderful storytellers. And make sure you subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any Wonderful to Tell stories. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wonderful to Tell. This episode was produced by Brad and Tracy Conrad with the invaluable support of our crew members, Michael, Lindy, Kevin, Katie, Karen, Nancy, Mark, Debbie, Haley, Jeffrey, and John Alfred. Michael Conrad composed our intro, Lindy Conrad came up with our name, and Matt, Jeff, and Justin from Fort Worth High Tech Signs created our logo. If you have a story wonderful to tell, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, wonderfultotell.com. And thanks for listening.